Blog Talk Radio. God. 
It's because you want to know what is going to take place in your life. You want to know what is going to happen uh, to the, the, the church and what's going to take place to the end times. Everything that I'm sharing is such a vital part of, of our walk in, in Christianity because we really we really need to know what is it exactly that we are supposed to be doing. The main thing that we're supposed to do is we're supposed to win souls for Christ, and then we are to disciple these people. We are to train them. And once we disciple and we train them, then they can go out and they can get others, and then those others can go out and get others. And it's just an ongoing process. And we can possibly, very, very possibly win the world for Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about, building the kingdom of God. And so I pray that you have really been getting uh, something out of this end time eschatology uh, lessons, the study of the end times, because it is important. You don't want to be caught unaware when Jesus does return. I know that there is not a lot of teaching on it, but it is a very important teaching, and it's something that God wants you to know. If he didn't want us to know it, if he didn't want us to share it, then it really would not be in his word. And God thought enough of us to let us know what is going to take place during the end times, during the end. We are actually living in the end times. Once Jesus left and went and and ascended to his father, the the end times began uh, started happening. So we we are living in the end times already. But it doesn't mean that we, we 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 just sit down and wait and we stop. But it means that we go forth and we do a great and mighty work for Christ. He said greater works than he did will we do. And we can't do those greater works if we don't know God's word inside and out. So before we uh, get started on today's message, We are going to do a song, and after that, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to come before you, hopefully to finish uh, the lesson on the rapture of the church, part three. Today is September 6, 2019, and we just want you to be aware of everything, because if you turn on your new, uh, turn on your uh, TV and listen to your different news stations and the different blogs and everything that people are talking about on social media, you will begin to see some of the things that I've already shared with you that are already either going on now or uh, have already happened. So um, we're going to go ahead and listen to this song, and then we're going to be right back with you. God bless you.
Well, praise God. Hallelujah. We give God total praise on this afternoon. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Praise you, Jesus. Father God, we come before you right now in your mighty son, Jesus' name. And we ask you, Lord God, that you bless this message, this lesson on today, O oh God. We pray that you bless it, that your people, Father God, might learn, Father God, that they will have clarity and understanding on what is to take place. Father God, when you do, Father God, return. We thank you, Father God, for your word, Father God, which is so rich to us. We thank you, Father God, for uh, looking at every aspect of our lives, Father God, from the very beginning of our lives, Father God, all the way to eternity, Father. We just thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are on your way back, Father God, one day to take your church out of here, Father God, and that, Father God, the rest of the finishing touches that you need to do with us, Father God, that it will be done. Lord, we pray that if there's someone that's listening today that, Father God, does not know you, I pray that something that I will say today will minister to the heart and to the spirit that they, that they might come, Father God, crying out, what must I do to be saved, that they will give their lives totally to you, that they will fall in love with you, that they will see, Father God, how much you love them. And, Father, we just thank you and we praise you for those of us that are saved, Father, that this will light a fire up under us, that we will go and we will begin to tell people about the greatness of God and about the love of Jesus, Father God, that we not just love in words only, Lord God, but that we will love in deed as well. Lord, we pray, Father God, for the victims, Father God, in in, in um, uh, the Bahamas, Father God, those Father, who have lost loved ones, those who have survived, but possibly have lost everything. We pray, Father God, that we, Father God, your children, will be there for them to meet their need in some kind of a way, Father God, that they don't have to suffer through this or go through this alone. But, Father God, we pray that you will touch every church, every pastor's heart, Father God, that we, the saints of God, will do something, Father God, that will be a blessing the people of the Bahamas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, as I said earlier, we are going to go ahead. I'm going to share just a little with you about some of the things we talked about on yesterday. And we actually went into First Thessalonians chapter 4, and we found out uh, how Jesus is going to uh, appear in the clouds, and he's going to uh, uh, call his church up. We we saw where it says that he is going to come um, with the uh, voice, a voice of command. There's going to be a cry of command to show that he is telling those who have died in him to uh, to rise up. That there is going to be an archangel call. And then there's going to be the sound of the trumpet of God. And the archangel's call uh, is the protector of Israel who is calling out to Israel that it is now their time. And God is going to begin to deal with the Jewish nation. This is saying that uh, uh, God himself is alerting the Jewish nation to get ready and to prepare for the hard times that are coming their way during the tribulation period. It will be during this time that God's focus will be on them now. And this is this is or will be his last attempt to them for redemption that they will know and realize that Jesus Christ is truly uh, the Messiah. We learn that the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and we will forever be with God. We learn that uh, the spirits of those who have died in Christ will come back with him. He will bring back with him, and, and the bodies that are in the grave of, of those who were saved will attach themselves together, for lack of a better word, or they will come together together. 
and uh, that God will transform their bodies, and they will be. We will all at that time receive a glorified body. At that time, we talked about the uh, five. Uh, we talked about the ten bridesmaids and how five were ready and five were not ready. And so the bridegroom came to collect his uh, collect his bride. Those that were ready went back with him, but those that were not ready, those that were just playing around, uh, those that uh, did not have um, everything for their lamp, they didn't have all, they didn't have extra oil for their lamp because they didn't do anything while they were supposedly waiting on the bride room to come. And so we saw where the bridegroom uh, uh, took those that were ready and took them into the feast, into the marriage of the Lamb. We, we saw where, that, where they were all, uh, those that were ready went with him. And then the door was shut. And then the, the, ten, the five foolish virgins, we saw where they went to knock on the door. And they said, you know, who are you? We don't know you. And how many how many uh, today will uh, wonder why were they left behind? Because maybe they were never really saved. Maybe they uh, never understood what their salvation was all about, and they never gave their life to God, and they were just playing church, and they were being hypocritical. So there will be some people that will be uh, left behind. Uh, we talked about Enoch, how he was walking with God, and this is in the Old Testament. And and God loved Enoch so, and Enoch loved God, and and they were he was just walking and talking with God. And the next thing he knew is Enoch was walking with God, and then he was before God, and he he, he disappeared, and he was standing before the Lord. Uh, he never did die. He just went up because he was such a holy man. Elijah, God sent a fiery chariot with fiery horses. He never died also. And I want you to remember these two because we'll be talking about them later on in the scripture as well in Revelation. And uh, Elijah never died as well. So um, God just took him up. He was a holy man. He was a godly man. He loved God. He was obedient. He followed the instructions of the Lord. We talked about Noah and his family and Lot's family, how before times of great destruction, God made sure that his people were out of the way before he did brought down any destruction uh, upon any uh, group of people. So it is very important that we as as uh as people of God, that we make sure that we're walking upright, that we're walking in God's righteousness and in his holiness. You know, time out for playing around with God. Time out for playing church. God is looking for real people. He's looking for real, real people to follow him. He's looking for warriors. He's looking for people who are bold, who are not allowing the world to tell them what to preach, who are not allowing the world to tell them, oh, you don't have to live like that. You're free. Yes, we are free. We are free to live in Christ. We are free. When we're free, it means that we don't have to abide by the same rules that everybody else is abiding by. If I have Christ in my life, things should be changing. I should not be the same person I was when I first got saved. There should be growth. There should be maturity. There should be something different about me. I shouldn't look like the regular person that just uh, just lives a okay or a mediocre life or just lives a life that you know they 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 show no no uh, uh, concern to be. To live for the Lord, they only show concern to do what it is that they want to do. So many of us are following the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the cares of life. And a lot of those people that are following that way, that are going down 
that broad road are going to be left here to go through the tribulation. And even in the tribulation, you can still find Jesus. You can still receive him as your Lord and Savior. But as we get further along into uh, the rest of the teaching, you're going to see that things are going to be a lot harder. It'll be a lot harder to live for God then than it is to live for him now. Hallelujah. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and he teaches us and he leads us. Even though we suffer sometimes, even though we go through, sometimes we still have the Holy Spirit. He's there to comfort us and, and to, uh, to, to, to show us a better way. He's there to be our paraclete. He's there for us. And we've got to know him in every aspect, in every attribute, in every way that the Holy Spirit is. We've got to have his character. And it seems like we don't want to live and have the attributes of God or the character of God because we still have a lot of character of the world. And, I mean, it's okay that we enjoy life. You know, I'm not saying that you can't enjoy your life in Christ. You can. You can have fun with your family at family gatherings. You can tell jokes. I mean, you know, you you can, you know, you have your little family uh, dance lines and, and all of that. You know, you can do fun things in Christ. But there are some things that you know the Holy Spirit is telling you not to do but yet you choose to disobey the Holy Spirit so that your flesh can be gratified. And that's what vexes and that's what hurts the Holy Spirit of God. And so because God knows that we do have uh, certain things that we do, even those that are truly saved and truly love the Lord, we we do get mad, we do get angry, we do get jealous about certain things. We do sometimes feel uh, certain feelings and, you know, as we say, you know, I'm feeling some kind of way about that. You know, I'm feeling some kind of way about him or her. We get like that because, yes, we are human. But what makes us different is that we have the Holy Spirit that teaches us and tells us that's not how you do it. You you you. you Follow after me. Follow what I've shown you in the word. The Bible tells us not to hate. The Bible tells us not to be envious. The Bible tells us to walk in love. But in many occasions, we don't want to do that. And so um, in, in, in some, some instances, this is why when Jesus comes back, that we are going to have to have a glorified body for us to go in to heaven for the things that God wants to do next, the next things that are going to take place after the rapture. We have to have a glorified body because we are going to be totally changed. We are going to be totally different. Our names are possibly going to be different. Everything about us is going to be different. But we will know our loved ones. We will know those who are friends. We will know certain things. But there are things that are going to be removed from us because we know the Bible says he's going to dry uh, all of our tears. There are things that, you know, we'll, we'll know what loved ones are there and what loved ones are not there. And God cannot have us spending eternity crying and worrying about people who who said they did not want God, who turned their back on God. But you, God, wants to do some fantastic things. And so we are going to be going uh, and our bodies are going to be glorified and things about us are going to change because we are going to reign and rule with Jesus down here in the millennial reign, which we will talk about again in the book of Revelation when we get to that part. Uh, we're going to go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and this is another 
account of um, the the rapture of the church is is done a little bit differently. Uh, the the um, the wording and everything is a little bit differently from what we find in First Thessalonians. But First Corinthians chapter fifteen verses fifty one through fifty four, and it says this. It says, Behold, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning we shall not all die. Some people are going to die, and some people are going to be caught up, as we saw yesterday, in the rapture. And it says, Those of us which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And here it says, We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed. In verse 52, it says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, hallelujah, at the last trump, we learned that the last trump was Jesus calling up those of us who will be alive and remain if we're a part of that group. In the moment, when those who are asleep, when, they, when, our, when their bodies connect with their spirit, man, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that's not real long. I, I can't even tell you what a twinkle is, but it's not long. I mean, it's, it's like an, in an instant, in a quick second, in the twinkling of an eye. And it says, for the trumpet shall sound. And this is the trumpet that will wake the dead and raise the trumpet. The trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. Our bodies were so full of sin and so full of mess, so full of sickness and disease. We cannot take these bodies into heaven. So we're going to put on bodies of incorruption. We're going to have a glorified body. And this mortal must put on immortality. Mortal means we're going to only live for so long. But immortality means that we are going to live forever. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So this event for the Christian will be the best thing that any of us can ever imagine. You know, do you really believe in heaven? Do you really believe that there is a place that we go to when we die? Do you really believe that you're that you are unconscious in your body while you're in the ground? The body says, as the Bible says, to be absent from the body. When we die, your spirit man leaves and it has to go somewhere. And it's not staying on the earth. You don't have spirits wandering around the earth because they don't have anywhere to go. We go one place or the other. We go to heaven, and we wait in heaven until Jesus brings us back for, uh, for, for our bodies so that we can be changed. Or if you're not saved and you don't know God, you go to hell. And I'm so sorry to say that because people say, well, you know, evangelists, uh, uh, nobody talks about hell anymore. How can you even talk about such a place? You know, you're going to scare people. But I want you to know there is a real place called hell. And there are people in hell right now because they chose, not that God chose to send them there, but they chose to ignore the gift of God. They chose not to do it God's way. They chose, they said, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't believe in that, you know. But now they wish that they had made a, the right choice so that they can be in heaven. There are scriptures in the Bible that 
talk about people who have, who who died and went to hell. And hell is a waiting is a waiting place. It's like how you go to uh, to jail. You go to jail and then then you uh, go to uh, to court and they give you a court date and all that stuff. Uh, and then you go before a judge or you have your trial, and then you have your trial, and then if you're found guilty, you go to prison. And that's what it is like uh, for hell. Hell is the waiting place, and then the great white throne judgment for those who are not saved. And I'm talking about people that are not saved, not people that have given their life to the Lord, but people that are not saved. And they go to hell when they die. Then they stand before, uh, then their their bodies are resurrected uh, in the last days. And then they go before the judge. And then it is said every deed that they've done, every sin that they committed will be brought forth before them as they stand before God. And then God says, well, uh, have you, uh, is their name found in the book of life? And the angel will say, no, Lord, their name is not found. And then God will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. And he will say that he never knew you and prepare for Satan and his angels. And that person will then be thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone. But that does not have to be your story. That doesn't have to be you. You can wind up going to heaven. All you have to do is just make a decision and say, Jesus, I want you. I I want you to know how I love you. I I thank you for what you have done on the cross for me. Hallelujah. And so um, Jesus is telling us, and and I'm almost through here with this. This will be the end of this lesson. But Jesus has told us in his word that he is coming like a thief in the night. Hallelujah. And it says in Revelation 16 and 15, it says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, meaning blessed is he who is dressed and ready. Dressed means that we're prepared. And ready, and he, sorry, and keepeth his garment, and he walk naked and see his shame. God says that if he comes not ready, then we will see our nakedness and our shame. That's what's going to happen for those who are going to stand before the throne of God. And at the great white throne judgment, and say, I don't know who you are because your name isn't written. That every every word, every evil word you've ever spoken, every evil thought, have every every bad thing you've ever done, even though you may have done some good, it's not we live a good life that takes us to heaven. What takes us to heaven is that we have received Christ's gift, his sacrifice, when he came and he died on the cross for our sins. That's what takes us to heaven, is that we're, we, we're following Christ, we're living for Christ, and we're, we're doing everything that he has told us to do. That's what takes us. To, to heaven. And so we want to make sure that we make a good choice, that we make the choice to live the way that we should in Christ. Matthew 24, uh, verses 42 and 44 says this, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his home to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. We don't know, and I 
and I, I continue to say this, we don't know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man is going to return. But whatever time he comes, it could be in the morning, afternoon, late in the morning, uh, late at night, whenever it is, be ready for his return because he loves you so much. And he's coming back. Why? He's coming back to take his church out of a time called the tribulation and the great tribulation. And this is when God will pour out his wrath upon mankind because God has done everything to try to get us to turn to him. Even though we have trials and tribulations and problems on this earth, it is not God's fault that we go through the things that we go through. Some of it is our own fault because of the choices that we make. Some things God does allow us to go through, but it helps to make us strong. It helps to mature us. It helps to build us up. Uh, one day I will be sharing my story, my testimony on something that I really, really went through that was really devastating. And uh, it just, I mean, I, I could not understand that I was even going through it. But God brought us out of it, and he brought us out of it so beautifully. And I'm telling you, if I had not have gone through what I went through, I would not be the woman that you hear on the line today. And I thank God for for all that I had to go through in order for me to become a better human being. And uh, so but God is going to pour out. Once God has just done it all, once he's done it all, He's going to begin to pour out his wrath. He's going to pour out his wrath on the beast, the anti, uh, which is the Antichrist. He's going to pour out his wrath on the false prophet. He's going to pour out his wrath on Satan and those who are left here who did not turn their lives to Christ. They will be up under that wrath. But what I love here, uh, it says this in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he has raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivers us from the wrath to come. We don't have to suffer. We don't have to go through this wrath. We do not have to, because Jesus is coming back to get his church. And it's not going to be a long time away. We don't know exactly when it's going to be. But when he does come, because as we see all all of this stuff that's going on in our world, you know, just weather's changing, animal attacks, I believe I've said this earlier, wars and rumors of wars and ethnic uh, 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 hatred amongst blacks and whites and Hispanics and Asians and, and Middle Easterners. Uh, uh, Native American. There's just so much hatred, and there should not be this kind of hatred because we are all people. We were all created by God. We all breathe the same blood. When disasters happen, that's when I notice that we come together. But why do we need disasters? happen before we can love a white neighbor or before we can love a Hispanic neighbor or a black neighbor or an Asian neighbor. I did something a few weeks ago. I said, Lord, you know, change has to take place. And so I'm going to make a change and I'm going to do something different. And I know that people were killed in a Walmart, so I went to Walmart and I try to make eye contact with whoever I can. And when I do, I try to give them the biggest smile. I speak to them. I hold the door open for them. I compliment them because things have got to stop, men and women of God. It's got to stop. All of this hatred, 
we're not going to learn each other from a far-off position. We learn each other by getting up close and personal with each other. Take somebody out to lunch of a different race and learn something about them. But even if we do all of this, you know, even though we may not be able to change the whole world, we might be able to change one life. Mm. And then it says in First Thessalonians 5, 9, For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We as the church, as children of God, have not been appointed. This appointment for wrath has not been uh, set up for us, but it's set up for the world. But this is one of my um, favorite scriptures here. I get a little teary sometimes. But this is one of my favorite scriptures here, and it says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, it says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, because you have been patient in everything that has happened in your life, because you have said, no matter what, God, I'm going to serve you. I love you. I'm going to be patient. I know that you got my back. He says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. God is saying that I'm going to keep you from all of this. As we found out yesterday that Jesus went to prepare a place for us and that he was going to come back for us. And one of the, one of the attributes we talked about was that Jesus protects his bride, that he is a protector of his bride. And if, if he's a protector of his bride and his bride is on the earth and she loves him and she's preparing herself for him and she's submissive unto him, if that is the case, then why would she leave that he loves so much here to suffer and go through that type of wrath. It's almost like uh, someone being abused, someone being in a uh, 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 violent, uh, in a, in a um, situation where um, a husband is beating the wife or beating his family or uh, that type of thing. That is not how Jesus looks upon his church. He said that he would keep us from the hour, from the time that's going to be, uh, that the world will be tried. He is coming back to his church. Live for him. Wait on him. Love him. Be submissive to him. Be obedient to him because he is coming back for you because the church, we each are an individual church, and he's coming back for you. Watch how you live. Watch how you talk. Watch how you walk. Watch everything about your life. God loves you. He loves you so much that he's his only begotten son to come to this earth he did nothing but good while he was on the earth. They lied on him. They they mistreated him. They 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 found every reason to scorn his name. But he kept on doing good. He healed people. He raised the dead. He fed people. He he taught people the word. He spoke. He spoke into the lives of people. He poured something precious into the lives of the disciples. He taught the disciples how to win other disciples. He taught us and us to go out into the highways and the byways to, to, to preach and teach and lead others to Christ, to baptize them in the name of the Father and, and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. He taught us what to do. 
but they just didn't like him. They didn't like what he was doing, and and so they decided that they had to kill Jesus. But Jesus knew that anyway. He knew he had to come here. He had to die for my sin. He had to die for your sin. He knew that, and he did it gladly. It, it, it was painful the way he had to die. It was so painful. They ripped the beard off of his face. They stuck a crown of thorns on his head until he started bleeding. He is. They put on his the sign above his on his cross, the king of the Jews. He is the true king of the Jews. And he is the second coming. And Jesus sat there, oh, not sat there, well, he sat there while they were accusing him, never said anything to defend himself. He just did what he had to do. He just did what he had to do. And then Jesus, when they put him on the cross and they nailed his hands, mm, hallelujah, and they nailed his feet to the cross, mm, hallelujah. What a painful, painful experience that had to be. But he still said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what to do, what they're doing. He still found somebody to take care of his mother. He still had time yet to forgive someone of their sins who was on the other side of him dying. Jesus is such a wonderful Savior. And to not want to follow after him or to not want to serve someone like that who is so special and so good to us is beyond me because he truly is a good, kind, and a loving God. And so Jesus is soon. He is the, he 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 has an imminent return, meaning that he's soon to come. However soon that is, it might be twenty more years. It might be tonight. It could be tomorrow. We don't know when Jesus is to return. But when he is to return, I just ask you to be ready. Just be ready. So he comes back for his church you are ready to go with him and to experience the joy of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we thank God. And you can have that same experience where all you have to do is just ask Christ to come into your life. All you have to do is just let God know, um, I want Jesus into my life. I want Jesus to come in. I want Jesus to save me. I want to live according to how Jesus would have me to live. I want to follow him. I want to go to heaven when I die. I want to go in the rapture. I want to come back with him when he comes back and he reigns on the earth during the millennial reign for us thousand years. Mm. You have that same experience. Jesus said in his word, I stand at the door and knock on through this Revelation three and twenty. He said, if you will open the door, Jesus is on the outside. There is no doorknob there. But he can't open the door. Because Jesus is a gentleman. But you are the only one that can open the door from the inside and let him in. When you let him in, he says he will come in and sup, meaning to fellowship with you. And you can fellowship with him. And fellowshiping with Christ, it is the most beautiful experience ever. Some of us as women, you know, we go through situations and we're lonely. Um, maybe we don't have anyone in our life. Maybe we don't have any close friends 
or some of us are hurting because there are things that we've been through in our lives. Some of us feel invisible, like there's nobody there. Who, who, who cares about me? Who cares? And Jesus answers and said, I do. And there have been days when I just felt like there was nobody. Even though I'm married, I have a husband, I have children. But there's some days you just feel like, is there anybody that hears me? Is there anybody that sees me? And that's when all you have to do is just begin to worship and praise and thank God for Jesus. And as you begin to worship God, you become intimate with God. And when you become intimate with God, God will empty out all of that stuff on the inside of you that should not be there. And God begins to pour himself into you. You're never alone when you come, Jesus. I mean, never. And so today, let this be the day that you ask Jesus to come into your life. Ask him to save you. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to make his abode in your life. Tell the devil you don't want to have anything else to do with him. Find you a Bible church, a a good Bible teaching church. If you cannot find a church in your area, don't have one, or if you are a pastor out there and you have a church and I can find somebody in your area that's looking for a church so that I can send them to your church so that they can hear the word of God and be fed the word of God. I will definitely do that for you. But I see that it is time uh, to go. Um, An hour sure goes by very, very quickly. But before we leave the broadcast, you may email us at a word from God. Seven at gmail.com. That is a word from God seven at gmail.com. And I ask that you please reach out to us for any contact information uh, about any speaking engagement, any prayer requests, or any biblical questions, or even if you have uh, a donation. We would love to hear from you. We would love to share uh, any, uh, if you have any questions about what we've been teaching on so far, I would love to be able to answer those questions. As I often say, I don't debate. I'm not a debater. Uh, Whatever you may believe, that is up to you. Uh, I'm not going to debate with anybody about eschatology or end-time teaching. But if you have a legitimate question and you want me to uh, help you out in some kind of a way, I will do that. But anyway, I want to say thank you again for tuning in to A Word From God on blogtalkradio.com. I am your radio hostess, evangelist, Rebecca Collier Hagler, saying thank you for joining us. May God richly bless all of your endeavors for him. Until next time, have a joyous and blessed day. And again, that email address is a word from God seven at gmail.com. A word from God seven at gmail.com. Until next time, God bless you. On our next time, we're going to be talking about the rapture versus um, the, the second coming. So you can know the difference between the two men. All right, bless. Have a great day. Bye bye. Look out there, y'all. Tell them. Say it again. Today is the first day of the best day of your life. Guess what?
to a party. I know y'all know how to move out there. Come on, y'all listen to the 